And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Before we begin, I want to give a special thanks once again to Jenny Lamessa who has been running our show's Instagram page. She does an amazing job and engages so many people, and she's always contributing show ideas. So, Jenny, thank you so much. Uh, You're awesome. And thank you also to Kara Elder, Julie Downey, Flicker Ron, and so many of our listeners who are contributing on a regular basis. So uh, you're all awesome. Our featured guest this evening is a teacher of teachers, a true light warrior, somebody who's going to help you find your inner strength, become more powerful in that inner strength, and be a light into this world that is becoming ever darker. You're probably seeing a trend in some of the shows lately that we are bringing in more and more powerful teachers. And I love being that waiter, just coming by and bringing you a choice of teachers and to do whatever you can. So thank you for listening to the show, especially lately. Before we begin, I have some breaking news. No, I have not gained another chin, but I'm, I'm on the way there. <laughs> I'm officially a dad. It happened May 24th. My son, Ryder William McCormick, was born, and I couldn't be happier. I love this dude so much, this little dude. He's just like, oh, he's so amazing. He's the greatest thing that ever happened to me by far. And here's what happened. My wife goes in labor on a Saturday, and you would think the first thing we would do is, you know, drive to the hospital. No, not my wife. She's like, no, I need to put makeup on. I, she, she, has, she had to look good for the kid before he came. So we wound up leaving an hour later. And I think she was in labor for 19 hours, and he finally came. And it's just, I don't know, it's totally surreal. So I'm just so happy. And, you know, I want to fight for him. I want to fight for Ryder and make sure that the world's not an apocalyptic, you know, doomsday situation. I want it to be beautiful and I want to stand for him and I think all of us want out of that. Let us begin tonight's show. Welcoming back to the program is somebody who I have a tremendous amount of a love, admiration, and respect for. I consider her you know, just like she's just wonderful. She's such an amazing person of light. And some people have called her Reverend Sally Perry, but she's also known as Swami Satchidanan. She's a metaphysical teacher. She is a individual who works on various planes of existence, and she also helps people heal themselves. Learn more about Swami Satchidanan by going to her website at revrevsallyperry.net. Swami Satchidanan, welcome back to our show. How are you? Wonderful. Feels like a rebirth. It's been so long, huh? Awesome. Yes. Well, 
we love having you on the show. We got a great response to your last program, last show that you did. From your perspective, what do you think is happening in the world based on what you're seeing? Because you're not always in the physical body. You're on these different planes of existence. So based on where you travel to and based on all your years of experience, what are you seeing in the world? What do you see some of the trends that are emerging right now? Well, of course, we were talking about purpose, and everything has a purpose. You know, like uh, there's a time and purpose for everything. There's a time and purpose for our birth and our lives and, and our death. And what I see this is that the purpose of it is to slow humanity down. I've been teaching for seven or eight years that we have to walk like a turtle, uh, very slow. The turtle takes has four legs, so it takes its home on its body. So it's like now... In turtle mode, we are at home, <laughs> and we have to incorporate it with our children and our businesses. So it's a good time. You can't be still and meditate and have your mind running all over the world. So it's a good time to honor uh, yourself, and then that way we'll wake up to more honoring of each other. And maybe 30 minutes, 30 years ago, I was told that eventually everybody would have to learn service to humanity. And my heart is happy when I see that, everybody learning service. And I think, uh, yes. What was it? And I think, I think that the root of this is to clean up our consciousness and awaken consciousness. And I know maybe 20 years ago in Denver, I did an all-night thing, and it came very clear that people no longer had a choice. They would leave the planet, rot and decay, or grow spiritually. So to me, I feel all the slowing down is like our third step in purpose in life, which normally we reach 50 years old before we start waking up to that purpose. And I think now the first, second, and third parts of purpose, even with the fourth, is being thrown in. Okay. Do you see what is happening in the world a result of there being too many people on the planet? Do you think that in order for this enlightenment or this change to happen, that we're probably going to see a massive reduction of the population? Or do you think that it's probably just going to happen as a result of no matter who's on the planet right now? That That's right. Uh, there's always sacrifice that goes on. Uh, you know, I was really amazed 25 years ago when I realized that the Franciscan monks had bought a crucifixion to the Philippines and then returned to find out they do it in New Mexico, too. Uh, and at first, I was really appalled because I felt Jesus did it, so why do we have to? But in going back several times, realizing the power behind 
those crucifixions and seeing those healers, they weren't mostly healers that did that, I had to realize there was a purpose. And then I started looking about the world as a whole, and I even did a channeling for Africa once, and they had taken on the energy uh, for the world of torment. So again, it's like everything has a purpose. And I really think that this time has a purpose. And if we don't get caught in the darkness of it, we look to the light to un- for understanding and to keep going. I think we're going to come out as a whole greater than we ever have been. Okay. Where do now, we... F- Sorry. Yeah. Probably... Probably 30 years ago, I was told America would be the next spiritual revolution. And I'm hoping in all my heart of hearts that that's what's happening here. All right. When it comes to spiritual revolution, do you think that it'll be able to happen through organized religion, through churches? No, 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 no. I think it's going to be within the people. Do you think that people in the U.S. on an energetic level have like a rebellious type energy because of their ties to their ancestors? Because I wonder if people from various countries, you know, when you come to a certain place, when you when you are part and born under a certain landmass, if you become part of the collective group culture for the people who've lived there before. Because I, I look at America right now, Swami. And uh-huh. I, I, I'm hopeful in some ways because I see some people rebelling. And I think the, the louder the rebel, the more I, I love people who are rebellious. But I also see a lot of people who are just kind of wishy-washy that are, I would call non-participants or people that are just passive and bow down to the darkness by allowing it to just trample all over them and their neighbors. So I don't know if you see that at all or why America might be a place where that could happen. Do you sense that America just has a natural... Um, energetic reading, collectively speaking, where they are more inclined to rebel and change and be a catalyst for change? Well, way, way before I even thought about living in India, uh, with the Native American, I was told by my guidance that there were souls in India that were old American souls. And in America, there was old Far Eastern Indian souls, and they would act as a bridge to help humanity. Now, I view that more as a spiritual bridge, and yes, we all have foundations of religion, but it's the part that really saves us is our own spirit within and what we work toward and acknowledge through our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual bodies. Do you think that, well, actually I want to bring up something that you talked about uh, yesterday, and it's about darkness, because I'm always curious about this, engaging it or whatever. You said do not engage it because you, you give it too much energy and power. So what is the difference between accurately engaging the darkness where you say, look, I, I want to become more peace and enlightened or I want to you know, become more f- for love while at the same time 
calling out the darkness, calling out the wickedness of what the darkness is doing because you can see it while others may not be able to see it? Is there any distinctive difference in that? Are you actually making a mistake by calling out the darkness the same way a sheep would be calling out the wolf that is around the gate that the other sheep cannot see? What I believe, again, is we have purpose. And there is a purpose to people doing that. But if people get stuck in the darkness, and it's like not getting stuck in the phenomenal world, the psychic world, you see. Uh, If you get stuck in the dark phenomena of the world, you're going to be there lifetime after lifetime, and you're not going to help to bring the light here. I see more people bringing light into America. I believe that those that need to fight will fight. I believe that all these movements have a purpose, and they're a purpose to move us ahead for righteousness, and right living is what righteousness means. And I was really surprised to realize that the Hindu religion means righteousness and John the Baptist told Jesus it would behoove them to teach righteous living and to me righteous living is the truth so if you want to repeat the dark work you give it power but if you need to do it to give wisdom to it then it doesn't create karma for you Otherwise, you're adding to it. Okay. And when it comes to purpose, what are some of the ways that a person can know what their sole purpose is? Is it through meditation? Is it through how they manifest certain things, that they're manifesting a certain thing or they're being pulled towards it? I'm really curious. And also, I wonder what the difference is between believing that you have a purpose and doing something or just the fact that things manifest naturally for you because you have a particular talent. So you may have a talent for doing something, but that's not your purpose. So what are some of the ways you could tell what your true purpose is? Well, I've defined it in about four ways because we have a purpose before we come in. Some people call it a contract. Some people call it an intent. And some people just call it a purpose. we come in to our parents either through adoption or birthing because we have contracts or intents to help our mother or our father or both. That's our first coming in. We have that. The first part of our life, I would say, to your 25 or 30 is uh, our embodied soul work, our karmas. And that purpose we have to do because we have to work through it. And it's wrapped up in being inferior or superior. And we do that through education, jobs, relationships. And then the other thing is our death. So our real purpose comes in around 50 years old, and it's usually spiritual. We've pretty much cleared up a lot of our karma. I think that's the reason people 
get married and divorce so much, and then finally they settle as they get older. Because they're doing karma. Is there any way to break that cycle, by the way? Is there any way you can uh, break your karma cycle? I think it's the gift. Really? No, the karma, can you break your karma cycle? Free will, but you're going to have to pay it sometime. Your destiny can always be changed by free will. Everybody teaches that destiny, you know, is set. It is set, but God gives us free will, and through free will, we can change it. But it doesn't mean that it won't happen in another life. Well, I've talked to several people on our show, uh, Swami, uh-huh. and they said that when you die, you get the afterlife review. You learn, you experience everything that you've done to someone else. So every action that you've, you've put out, you experience the same result. So is that, um, if you do that and you get that end of life review, why is there an additional need to, to have uh, more karma that precedes you to another lifetime if you've already experienced and gotten total justice and experienced what you've put out already in this lifetime? When you die, you take your strongest thought, emotion, and your heart center. That's how you reincarnate. And that has karma in it. And if you kill somebody in this life, you may birth them in the next life. Or you may be married. You may be married to them. Yeah. So, what are some? There is a re- there is a review. There is a review, but it's not all encompassing. Now, let, let me go here. Uh, uh, the real purpose around fifty is spiritual expanding awareness of not being our body, our home, our job. However, something even greater. Ego is humbled to realize we're not a doer. We're the vehicle which the higher power within us wakes up. Now, that is true purpose when you get there. A lot of people go, they think they have to ask God for forgiveness. They don't have to. God knows our heart and mind. And there's no need to ask God for forgiveness. The only forgiveness we need is the duality we live in and those things that we have bought with us. That's the difference in talking. God, You don't have to ask God to forgive you. God holds nothing. I don't believe in a vengeful God. God knows our heart and mind. It's only us that feels guilty and shame and guilt. So we bring that into the next life to work it out because we're living in duality. That, that is what brings me so strong to forgiveness of those who's harmed us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. As we complete, we may be past, you know, past, uh, faced with past life action. This is called deep embodied soul healing work. See, 
This is our embodied soul. It's not our supreme soul. Our supreme soul is part of us, but it's formless. And we can't name it. We can't describe God. We try to. We try to make many images of God. But God is formless. Okay. So I, one of the things we uh, would love doing on, our, on the show is we really uh-huh. like having opportunities for people to learn from powerful teachers on how to become stronger, stronger warriors of the light. Are there any lessons that you'd recommend that people, is there any like three things that people can do to become more powerful within the light, to become more of a powerful advocate of the light and to become stronger within themselves despite the fact that the world may be going a little bit crazy? They can accept the fact that they're not the doer. Uh, And you can do this by awareness. When you need help, if you asked your higher self to help you, and then that's the intuitive body inspiration, it comes in and we use that to help ourselves, to help others and to grow. But we have to let go of so much of the ego and realize we're not the doer. But we've got to realize that this higher self energy works in and through us the more we uh, do our karma and our forgiveness work. Remember, I always talked at the UN in 2000, the first and only right now world religion uh, that I was a guest with Swami was a speaker. And it was four things, homelessness, starvation, uh, conflict resolution, and forgiveness. Those were the four things that the international uh, thing that they had in 2000, World Peace Summit is what it was called. There you go. So three things. Number one is get some discipline, you know, and take time to be with yourself. You know, if it's, I took an hour and I was not a morning person. I wrote my forgives and releases first. My mind was still like a runaway horses, a thousand. I would chant. That helped me. Chanting helps you. And then uh, I would take myself to my heart. And one of the strongest things you can do is start feeling the lower energies which the lower part of the heart works with, is the first three chakras. Is to feel that sexual energy or feel that desire and pull that energy to your heart. Don't deny it, but pull it to your heart. Because the heart has to be connected to the higher mind to do the work that really needs to be done. The beautiful thing is that type of leader, they allow other people to do the work they need to do. You know, when it comes to leadership, 
I wonder if yes. there's a fine line between having an ego about it because some people, I mean, I think if you want to be in charge, I wonder if it's based in any way, shape, or form. I think if you have to have, do you have to have some kind of slight ego in there or having some kind of oh, confidence? Yeah. Yes. It's the way if you, uh, if you're angry or hateful with people, that's darkness. And anger tears a hole in our energy field like alcohol and drugs and demons come in. That's the reason you see these hateful, mean people. And so I, one of the things that you've written about or have on your site is you wrote catch and release about when it comes to forgiveness. I know we've covered this upon right. it before. Is there any possibility? I know we were talking about purpose, but is there any chance you can please just talk about why it's so important? Because I always thought that that was one of your great, great lessons. And I think it's offered, I mean, when I've done it, it's offered a lot of peace. And I think more people should be able to come aware yeah. about it. Please talk about why it's yeah. so important. Uh, yes, it's the key that unlocks the heart. And like I said, if you want to work with the upper heart, it starts at the heart, the throat, which is the shoulder area, which is your power, your true power. Then your third eye, which is between there, is your hearing, what you hear, your ears, what you say, what you see. You know, the monkey see no evil, speak no evil. <laughs> Hear no evil. There's a lot of good to that, you know. <laughs> oh, this is great. I know. That. And, and then that top, those, those, the the heart that I speak of, the wisdom of healing the heart is the higher heart. And I think that's also taught in Buddhism too. It's the higher heart, and it works with the higher uh, consciousness there the heart, the throat, the third eye, and the crown, where the lower works with survival and sex and judgment. And Swami, there are some people out there who, uh, some people want to be able to track their progress, their spiritual progress. And I wonder, how do you really gauge that? Because if you look at a certain situation and say, okay, well, I no longer react to this. Years ago, this certain type of situation would provoke me. I no longer react to that. And some a person might say, well, look, the reason why I don't do that is because I've matured. I've uh, mentally become a little different. My my brain perceives the, the information different. But how do you tell and gauge your spiritual progress and evolution? And how oh, do you not get that confused with you know, just basic psychology or just learning, you're, you're training your brain to re, to respond to situations differently. Okay. First of all, writing. You know, there's always most, most teachings tell you to keep a journal. Well, if you're doing whoever you're allowing to disturb you for the day, if you do a forgiveness on it and then forgive yourself for being upset, but in my forgiveness work, I take it back to your mother and father because the roots of the karma and the roots of what you're going to be working through go back in this lifetime to the mother-father. So if you have issues with your mother, you're going to always find issues 
with women in the workplace, as your boss, as your wife, as your sister, whatever. Same way, if you have an issue with your father, it's going to always be the male's fault, and you're going to find issues with that. That's what couples come together to work through karma, but they're not going to do it till they realize, and I teach you that if you are being ignited or triggered by someone in what they do, you ask yourself, what in me is creating this? And then you may see yourself with your father slapping you and telling you to shut up. And somebody's just told you to shut up. And I know when I was younger, I flew up in the air three times with people that would tell me to shut up, you know, because I was shut up so much as a child, you see. So then you go back to the thought you know, mind is the creator and the destroyer. So whatever's going on when you're getting ignited, what in me is creating it? And you see what you're thinking and what you're feeling at that time. And you'll know. So the more you work with your mental body and your emotional body, eventually those things are not going to bother you anymore because everything has to come to love and understanding. And only can it do that is when somebody wakes you up enough to see what you need to understand. And the natives say everything's a blessing, but it's only a blessing when you get the lesson. So there's a lesson in it. We tend to drop in to the victim consciousness. And as long as you hang out in the victim consciousness, you're never going to get anywhere because you're going to be in another situation creating victimhood. That's the reason people have such a hard time when they're being abused, you know, and they keep marrying back into the same thing. All that is because they don't stop and get into healing to see the root of that consciousness that's within them that's creating their magnetizing of that energy to their self. Thank you, Swami. And on our show before, that, no, it was, it was great. That help? Yeah, it was terrific. Okay. Stuff great. I always, I tell people, especially to listen to you, not because of what you say, but because of the um, the energy. I think that we've had people that have come to us and told us the last show that it wasn't. Even the words you were saying, it was like they were just feeling a lot of love coming out of it. And I love that, too. I think it's wonderful. It was yeah. Yeah. energy, yeah. presence. On our show before, we've had a gentleman who you know, Dr. Stephen Greer. And yeah. I've listened to his meditation because I think I really love that what he talks about becoming aware of awareness. So his meditations, I think, are pretty interesting. But he utilizes this to take it a step further because he's got this film called a new film called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. So he goes into a deep meditative state and he encourages people to make connections with other beings throughout the universe, other life forms and other aliens. And he says that because a lot of civilizations are very advanced, that, that you know they want to make a peaceful connection. So I'm curious, from your perspective, what is your thought on that by accessing the universal mind and believing that we are particles and creations within one's prime being 
and the idea of reaching out to other civilizations. Do you think it's something that's beneficial? Do you think it's a good thing to do to reach out and communicate with another civilization that may be more advanced and that may also carry the light? Again, that goes into your intent, motivation, and the purpose. You know, as you're starting to know yourself, uh, I mean, early on with Painted Era, I saw lots of uh, extraterrestrial stuff and was even taken up a time or two. But uh, since, my guidance for me has been not to get stuck in phenomena. And you have to be careful when you get the gift any gift because suppose you do that and you haven't grown enough spiritually or don't maybe have Stephen Greer or some teacher around you you can get all blown up and they can use you on the other side too it's kind of like using the drug peyote or ayahuasca, okay. Once or twice, maybe, it's according to the teacher, the the, the intent and the purpose of what you're doing. If you're doing to play with the energy or just for fun, you're liable to get stuck in some stuff. It's your motivation and intent to do this. And if you have a good teacher and you do your work, you're going to be protected in everything you do. Because, I mean, I wrote an article. I haven't published it. I thought about putting it because I know that the extraterrestrial work is coming up again. It was very popular some years back. But uh, I actually had an experience where a friend of mine that was nationally known had all these people come here to help her. And finally she asked me, and I was able through sound, it was like six children of the graves and a grandfather that had wandered up the space station. And Spirit said I could help, and I went. And with sound, I was able to beam them back in the path that they got lost on. And the next morning, I wake up early, and my room is full of all these ETs. I said, what are y'all doing? And they said, we're leaving this afternoon, and we are coming to thank you because we would have had to leave our family here. We had to go. And I said, what are you doing here? And they, like, beamed me. I mean, this is going to sound wild to some people, but they beamed me to the ship. It was a huge ship out here in the bay. And they said, we've been watching your government because we were betrayed. What what happened? I didn't ask, but when I told a few people that were into that, there was books written about the Greys being betrayed by our government. So are they? Yeah. Do they have peaceful intentions for us, or are they they kind of much. What what they said to me is they wanted to tell me that if I ever felt 
a need that all I had to do was call them. They would be there to help me, that I had saved their family. That's so awesome. That's but so cool. see, that's the, that's the intent, my intent. I wasn't afraid. I even wrote this story a little different so people wouldn't know who it was here. But uh, I, it was my intent to help. And only, actually, after I went to Stephen, his wife had invited me. She went with my sponsor from Charlottesville, knew her, invited me to his movie there in Charlottesville, that I decided I would come home and write about that experience, that it would go in my next book. I'm glad you brought that up. And also, it's, it's the intention. I'm glad you really mentioned that about intention because... At least in my experience, I, yeah. I, my intention is to is to connect with um, the, with the with the, the, the beings, and just say, hey, look, hey, you know, I, I wish you peace. I just want to say hello, and uh, I wish you peace, and that we're all part of the same prime being, and lots of love. That's all I want to do. I, I, yeah. I just want to do well, it. Well, when I started opening up to so much different reality, they said you cannot shock people with this you can't play with the energy and you can't manipulate people with it so uh that's what i've always taught people you know whatever you get into and they actually bought people in my beauty shop that was with the psychic ability was manipulating uh shocking people my sister-in-law that shampooed for me was back in the bathroom crying from something the woman told her and you know you wouldn't go into a business and shock somebody when they're working you know that's not the life final question i have for you is is there any daily affirmation or practice that you do on a regular basis that you think other people could do that would, you know, put them in a really strong state of peace that would empower them, that would protect them? Well, first of all, to understand the I am. Do you know the I am? You know what? I I, I, I don't. I mean, I guess I, I prefer if you can please re-explain. Okay. Uh, well, unity teaches I am that I am, and the Bible says also I am that I am the Christ within. I am that I am the Christ within. I am that I am the Christ within. And I always have taught that you don't use I am except for higher uh, consciousness. Uh, you don't say, you know, I'm... I'm looking great since I lost 20 pounds, or I am the president now of this company. See, that's the ego. But how you can start using this more is when you're in a situation and you need help or something, or even when your baby comes, you can ask to talk to his higher consciousness. And the more you call that into being, the easier life will be for you. And to do that, 
if you draw a pyramid, the base is the lower consciousness. The center is um, your uh, desire body when you want to be recognized and accomplish something. And the top is your point of self-actualizing. And when you get to that point, you can start realizing because you give up yourself as the doer. And that's where the higher self comes in. People mostly feel inferior or superior. That's why we're having to work with that so strong in the earlier parts of our life. You see so many people now saying, you know, my job's not as, you know, it used to be so important. I mean, the singers and stuff, they're having to adapt to Zoom and all that. You know, you can almost see the ego all falling away. And they're realizing that they didn't spend time with their children like they should, or even the wives or the wives with their husbands. I really believe that we are becoming more enlightened on this planet, on the whole planet. Because you're either going to get in the fight and the ego. The ego always wants to win. And if you're, if you're divinely guided, that's when you act and it's perfect. And that's when you call in the higher self. And the higher self will help you. Swami Satchidanan, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, it took many years to say that. Swami, I, I, didn't, I couldn't say it for the first four years I knew you. Now I love saying it. Swami okay. I love it. You are a metaphysical teacher. There's no one in the world like Swami. And I, and I recommend everyone, if you can, please go to her site revsallyperry.net make an appointment with her if you're going through a really rough period or you want to grow I, I think Swami is one of the most powerful teachers I've ever come across good thank you doll. thank you thank you okay everyone that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show special thanks to our amazing guest Swami Satchidanand and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Costa Stellas, and Miss Lisa McGarity. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.